Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We've got to the end of the week, haven't we? It's welcome to Off Air with her, Jane Garvey, and you. Well, you can say my name. Oh, can you? Feed, Does it hurt? Feed love. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we are a bit tired this week, aren't we? Uh, well, we are now, but I've been enjoying... Oh, God. <laughs> it's, I've enjoyed the week, I was attempting to say. Yes, it's me been, too. It's been good fun. It's been sort of... I think we've been doing the programme now for... This is... I'm talking here about the live radio show. We've been doing it... Is it six weeks or five weeks? I think it's five. It's only five. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we are getting into the swing in the sense that um, I'm not worrying when things go wrong. And we we were always going to be a bit ramshackle. And But I like that feel. I think we always will be. Yes. No, we yeah. always will be, but I'm more relaxed in being so now. Yeah. Yes. I know what you mean. And also, I think it's... I mean, it's like going anywhere new, isn't it? Uh, you learn where the furniture is and yeah. how not to bump into it. Well, can I just put up, there isn't enough furniture in that office and I think it's okay for us to make the observation. It's not big enough. We're crammed in. I come out of the studio after the live show, somebody's sitting at my desk and I've put, because I eat my sandwich at the desk, I've got, already I've started to leave the, you know, the bit of crumbs in the keyboard yeah, I know what you mean. for someone else to have to fiddle about with. Probably not very nice for other I people. do try and tidy up before I go into the I studio. Do. Well, because it's the lovely Lucy Fisher who comes and sits at, at oh, my yeah. desk and I worship Lucy Fisher. Mm. I think she's amazing. There's probably a good reason that she doesn't sit at my desk. Maybe she looked at your desk yeah. and thought, no, I'll take the slightly That needs fumigating, I'll sit in Fiona's. Yeah, yeah that could be gonna... a point. <coughs> <laughs> Lovely. Okay, now um, we did have a little. It was quite interesting today, actually, because we had, had a on, ding dong. Not a ding, more of a dong ding. I think with um, associate editor of the Saturday Times magazine, Jane Mulcairns, about uh, their decision to run a feature called World Cup Hotties. Yep. Now um, it's I'm in all kinds of different sorts of points of view about this because I just feel honour bound to say that if it were women. I would be incandescent with rage. Yeah, we should explain what it is. So it is page two, oh, actually. I don't want to draw too much attention. Of the Saturday Times magazine. It's 11 from heaven. Can't get excited about the World Cup in Qatar. Maybe you're not focusing on the right things, by which we mean cheekbones, abs and thighs. And then there are lots of pictures of... They're not naked. Uh, <laughs> did I need to say that? <laughs> Probably not. Um... 
It is the times. Yes, but you can you can just see some very well honed. Yes, I mean let's put it this way: they're not being celebrated in this article for their silky skills or their amazing tackling or their charity work. Or indeed, their charity work. They are being celebrated purely and simply. Well, they're being objectified. They are, aren't they? Absolutely. It's on page two of the Saturday Times magazine. If you like, Fee and I want to be. Absolutely appalled. Mm. Well, look, let's have a serious conversation about it because you raised the point with Jane uh, that if it was women and especially if it was women who had been photographed and written about by men and you were saying, oh, look at these lionesses with hardly any clothes on, (laughs) uh, that would be a terrible, terrible revisiting, really, of the 1970s. And we would all think we've left that behind. That shouldn't be happening anymore. Show some respect. So why are we still doing it to men? I don't know why we are. No, well, I'm not entirely sure that uh, Jane could find any other argument than because <laughs> because they look nice. Yes, and, so, um, but I suppose a fashion fashion pieces are not illustrated by the likes of of me wearing a new frock. Um, so I don't know. It's um, we're tying ourselves. Well, I'm tying myself up in knots. I just we just wanted to talk about the hypocrisy surrounding the object, object objectification of young, fit male bodies and whether or not we are entirely at ease with it. Yeah, and I don't think we are entirely at ease with it. We established that. Well, Jane and Fee at Times.Radio, if you want to pitch in, because by the time Monday's off-air rolls round, it will be officially underway, the Men's World Cup. And I know there are all sorts of issues associated with the tournament, but I've said for a while now that I think perhaps once the football gets going, a lot of people will find themselves completely invested in it. I could be wrong, but England play on Monday and so do Wales. So it's starting. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how what we're now calling the World Cup tingle uh, actually emerges on Monday for you. WCT. Well, as I said on the programme, my telly is bossed, so it's all on the chap who's coming round tomorrow morning. And it is a chap. Obviously, I requested a woman, but they couldn't supply Yeah, it. I was going to say, do you want to start another ding-dong? <laughs> it happens to be a man who's coming okay. round. OK. You're clutching uh, a little bit of a clipping there. Oh, yeah, no, it's just the story that I didn't have time for in the show today. Um, this is about... Uh, it's about the Spanish team at the Men's World Cup who haven't been able to take their favourite pork products to Qatar, uh, obviously for a string of, of good reasons. Um, but a co- this is re- what I really thought was astounding. According to industry figures, Spaniards spent 1.5 billion euros on 98,740 tonnes of cured hams in 2020. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's an enormous amount of that thing I can't pronounce. Oh, uh, sorry, and another 1.5 billion euros on 145,000 tonnes of other cured pork products such as chorizo. Chorizo? Chorizo. <laughs> if I'd married a Spaniard and had a son, I was going to call him chorizo. <laughs> yeah, chorizo. <laughs> didn't happen, didn't well, come to pass. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> is, there, is there a British equivalent? So if you'd had a son, what would you have called him? Ham. <laughs> Pork and pepper. <laughs> just, just ham. 
hello both, says Helen. Uh, she says, sent an appreciation. I was a loyal listener of your previous work. You kept me going through the pandemic. I listened once a week on my Monday bike ride and always valued your insights and humour, which caught the mood in the moment. That's a very kind thing to say, Helen. Uh, like many people, change is a challenge and I'm struggling to adapt to your new programmes. Sadly, two feelings are swirling around for me. The predominant one, the curse of female life, is that I can't keep up a daily radio programme and an additional daily takeout podcast. Well, I mean, you and us both. Helen yeah. says I'm already weeks behind. So are we. Uh, the second emotion is also curiously female, a sense that because I don't listen to Times Radio, that something else has happened somewhere else and I don't know about it. It's silly. Of course, I could listen to Times Radio, but honestly, I'm not sure I have that much time in my life for my own thoughts, let alone a single radio pairing. Well, Helen, can we just say that you should never worry that you're missing something hugely, hugely important because our Times Radio programme, 3 till 5, Monday to Thursday, uh, contains news when it happens, but it, it is the news that you're going to hear all around you. We try and do it well and in a Times Radio way, but you shouldn't feel that if you don't listen 3 till 5, you're not going to be able to no, you're, you're, stay across I think you'll still this. be able to go about your business. Don't, yeah. Please don't worry about it. And I'm not sure that that is a, a female thing. Do you think it is? I'd never considered that before. That kind of, I don't know everything and I should know everything. I mean, I have that sense of panic all the time. Well, it does tend to be the case that men will, will spout forth on any subject under the sun. <laughs> Even if they don't know they about don't know it. Clue at what all. are doesn't, you thinking about it there? It doesn't hold me back. It doesn't, I'm not a man, but if I were, I suspect it wouldn't hold me back. No, I mean, I've been, we've all been in cabs with fellas holding forth on a range of subjects, you know, childbirth, international feminism, and, um, you know. That you, funny lane on the Euston Road that was shut for a long time. Oh, dear me. Yes. Well, exactly. Um, but anyway, um, can I just say thank you to Kat from London, who has um, taken me up on my um, remark about the omission from the English school curriculum of English-Irish relations. I vaguely knew, says Kat, that my mum moved to England in her 20s to escape the religious and cultural tensions of her hometown, just on the Northern Irish side of the border. However, she never talked about these tensions or their historical background. I didn't really think to dig deeper into any of her throwaway comments, such as the colour orange instantly making her feel tense, or her insistence on correcting the birthplace for any ancestor born before the 3rd of May 1921 from Northern Ireland to Ireland in our family tree. I only thought to ask recently why none of her family were involved in the Second World War. I had no idea that conscription was never introduced there, or why. During the heady, semi-enthusiastic stage of lockdown homeschooling, I decided to bring history to life by conferencing in Granny to answer my eight-year-old's question about why there were two islands on the map. Whether lockdown caused an introspective mood or just because there was little else to do, my mum finally said quite a bit about growing up in a troubled Ireland. While reminiscing, though, she seemed to forget her target audience, whose eyes got bigger and bigger as she mused on the church, IRA, bombings, etc., and I ended up having to swiftly terminate the lesson before we got on to kneecapping or other similar horrors. Um, Kat, thank you. And you're, it is interesting, isn't it, that there's so much of, of our family's history that we never know because we either don't ask the right questions, we don't have time to ask the questions, or simply they don't want to talk about it. You know, I often, I always think, not often, I always think on um, November the 11th of my paternal grandfather, who um, was actually quite a grumpy, rather a pompous man, 
But I know he was at the Somme, but he just never talked about it. And slightly frustrating me, my dad didn't ever ask him. Mm. But my dad claims he didn't want to talk about it or he wouldn't have wanted to talk about it. I'd still quite like to have known something. So I have the same thing in my family. My dad's family it was entirely a forces family. Dad was the first in three generations to leave the army and uh, live his life in, in Civvy Street. And I know so little about all of the campaigns yeah. that they fought in, which, you know, across... So that spans 150 years all around the world, at a really dreadful time, actually, in British history, where if you were in the army, you were being asked to go places and do things, I think, that we now recognise as unimaginable and wrong. And I know that there was that sentiment in my family too, but I never asked them. It's not written yeah. down anywhere. It's not... I really annoy myself because you know you and I work in a audio medium yeah, we where we it, ask yeah. questions and isn't that extraordinary that we don't know our own well also family history I think it's true really frustratingly that a lot of first world war records were destroyed in a bombing raid in the second world war so that doesn't help if you're yes, if you're yeah. keen to try and find out something about your own family's yeah. involvement but and do you know if your family history has been uh, lost in that I, do, I don't know. Oh, I have got my paternal grandfather's army number and I know his regiment, but he was taken prisoner as well. And, but he never talked about that. I mean, it's it's just so funny. And, I, you know, he died when I was 10. Mm. And he was quite a bompous bloke. Oh, gosh. Well, OK. Doesn't I, run. I know what you're thinking. Does it? It's no, I genes. wasn't going to say anything like no. that at all. No, I, no, he was, no, he was just... always very nice to me. I was his grandchild, but I suspect probably not, probably not the most terrific parent in because he just didn't know how to be. Anyway, poor chap, he's obviously no longer with us. <laughs> be quite strange to be what? Yes, he'd be a, certainly an age. Uh, Christine says, thank you for your honesty about how challenging it can be to deal with big changes in midlife. It certainly makes you feel discombobulated and probably takes longer to create and settle into new patterns. I've had major changes to deal with at 58, says Christine. I think the great joy of being more, more experienced, though, is that you're quicker to recognise when it's beginning to work well and focus on using that to help you find a good recovery point amongst the new chaos you know yourself better in midlife and can hopefully also be better at reflecting objectively and then you can ditch what doesn't work really quickly christine's got some good advice here she says gut instinct is your friend oh yeah that's always. true isn't it yeah always befriend your gut in many ways listen to it and feed it as we're constantly learning on wellness wednesday oh, God. I know. I think on Wellness Wednesday coming up next week, we're going to do breathing. Oh, are we? Oh, I love it because this week we did standing. Standing up. We've done sleeping. So maybe week six, being alive. Sally Hughes is a very talented journalist and she writes about many things. I think a lot of people know her as a beauty journalist. It's certainly where she's excelled over the last 10 years or so. And she was our big name guest this afternoon. She's got a new book out. It's a kind of guide to life. It's called Everything is Washable with an asterisk that says almost. Uh, we enjoyed her company, didn't we? Yes, I thought she was very entertaining and also and very sensible as well and grounded. Um, she did have a tough start. Um, so she's not one of those people... Careful. Yes, I did steady myself a little bit there, who now writes about very expensive beauty creams. Uh, Sally has, has got a, an interesting uh, backstory. Uh, so I'm from the South Wales Valleys. 
Um, I grew up with a single father and uh, two brothers initially, four brothers altogether later on. And um, I left school when I was 14. Um, the passage that you're talking about, which opens the book, I felt like I had to really explain why I'm so obsessed with home and why I have such strong views on home. And so it starts with the story where um, several years ago now, I was working at the Hay Festival in South Wales with my then boyfriend, now husband. And uh, we decided one free afternoon to take the car and go and look at everywhere I grew up at so so my primary school the local library my grandparents house where I was born and so on and we ended up in the house I'd grown up in or outside it rather and we peered through the window as discreetly and politely as we could until an absolutely lovely older couple came outside and in true South Wales fashion invited us in for a cup of tea and um, they showed us around the house they were absolutely charming the house just looked so lovely and gorgeous I was really moved by happy and loving how happy and loving the house was and then they said to me oh we're so happy that you've come now and seen it now because when we bought it um, from a man who'd lived here after you it was disgusting it was squalid there were newspapers everywhere there was rubbish everywhere there was scrap in the garden there was vermin it was filthy dirty and it was occupied by a man who had mental health um, drink problems whose wife had left him and everything had gone badly wrong and you would have been so upset to see it then and of course I was just too embarrassed and too proud to tell them and my new boyfriend that that was in fact my father and the house sounded exactly the same as when I lived in it and um, it didn't sound different at all but I was just so mortified by it it took me a few years to come clean and um, that that was in fact my house and my dad. So Sally um, it's quite a, it's quite a trip you've been on from that start which to put it mildly sounds challenging to a world where frankly you are you're in a position to help others to, to really do good things to help other people get through the sorts of experiences that you were familiar with in your adolescence and thinking today actually about the financial situation and you're not unfamiliar with the whole idea of not being able to put the heating on and not being entirely certain what you're going to eat. Um, absolutely I'm not unfamiliar with that fortunately it's been a, it's been a very long time since I've had to worry about turning the heating on but certainly I did at one point I didn't have oh well at two occasions actually I didn't have a home in which to put heating on I was homeless and so yes that kind of spurred me on to co-found a charity in 2018 which unfortunately is going from strength to strength because people need it more than ever it's called beauty banks and what we do is we persuade hygiene and beauty companies to give us large amounts of surplus products which we then redistribute to people who desperately need them and can't afford them so shower gel toothpaste toothbrushes deodorant soap that kind of thing and we then give those to food banks mental health trusts schools women's refuges family centers um, and so on around the country for people in Britain living in poverty. Right. And we really are in a world, are we, where some people can't afford shower gel or soap? Uh, there are so many people in this country, including very many of them working people. Uh, most people who claim benefits, as we know, are working people. There are very many of those people who have to choose between eating and staying clean. And now, of course, we're throwing light and heat into the mix more than ever before. The very lowest priority is always going to be your personal grooming um, and personal care. That's just inevitable. That's how we're wired. We need to stay warm and eat first and foremost. So unfortunately, calls for our services have grown 
so much in the past few months it's actually terrifying our deliveries have gone up by 75 percent um in the first half of this year um, and the stats for the next quarter when we finish gathering those look altogether worse again and so yes it is certainly the case that very many people in this country can't afford um hygiene products there are lots of babies wearing one nappy a day for example there are families sharing toothbrushes um it's very hard to imagine but it's absolutely true mm. and there are very many stories as well aren't there of people actually shying away from public spaces, not wanting to go to work because they're embarrassed about their personal hygiene. The same for kids at school. Uh, So we hear you on your charity work completely. Again, I think you confound expectations with the book, Sally, because, um, you know, on the the front cover, you might think everything is washable, uh, life lesson, Sally Hughes, beauty journalist. It's going to be stuff about how to get the perfect arched eyebrow and that, you know, that can be important. Um, But it's much, much more than that, isn't it? I mean, you've got a lot about mental health you've got a lot about just getting through life Uh, which bit would you point people towards first in what is I mean it's a lot isn't it? it's 300 pages 400 pages of advice what's the most important bit to you well, it's a big old chunk, but um, I'm not traditionally a beauty journalist. I have a beauty column, but I was what other journalists patronisingly call a proper journalist for decades before I started writing about beauty. Um, but in fact, yes, I was really determined with this book to go back to my roots and write about lots of other issues. And in terms of what's important, I just think we put too much emphasis on that. Our lives are not like that. It's, you know, our, our daily lives are about things that are unimportant, things that are fun, the things that that are dutiful, sometimes things that are life or death. And they're all in the mix together, which is why in my book, you'll read how to make a perfect martini, but you'll also read how to make a will, how to settle family disputes, how to care for a friend um, and support a friend going through IVF, how to talk to loved ones with cancer or who've just had bad news, alongside which genes make your bum look great. And that (laughs) is life. That is life. And I think we should all stop kind of hand-wringing about that especially as women uh, we're so kind of preached to about this as though we can't concentrate our pretty little heads on more more than one thing at any given time it's so silly that's not life mm. life is a high low experience and thank goodness I wouldn't want it any other way uh, just before we go to some well-timed adverts I know that lots of people listening <laughs> at home uh, will say oh my god which genes are best for your bum yeah do ask I'm glad you have <laughs> Right. Well, things have become more confused, haven't they, in recent years, because having a really big bottom is now fashionable. So it really depends if you want your bottom to look bigger or smaller. But if you want it to look smaller, you want bigger pockets and you want them well positioned. Slanted is good if you've got a bit of a flat bum. Um, And also, if you've got a sticky out tummy, if you're happy with that, fabulous. If you want it to look flatter, you are better off with a zip than a button fly and you certainly need high-waisted. Apparently low-waisted jeans are coming back over my dead body two kids later. There is absolutely no way I'm ever doing that and I think that's fundamental with jeans. Never follow fashion. Wear the type of jeans that make you look and feel good. They're one of those items that should be fashion immune in my opinion. 
only from Rustolium. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our guest is Sally Hughes. Now, where were you, Fee? You were talking about the right size of jeans for your bottom? Or... Oh, no, I was delighted with that answer. I like the idea of a slightly slanted pocket. I've never tried that before. And I really, really hope, Sally, that we've seen the back of a dangerous decade of skinny jeans. I mean, who were they meant for? OK, controversially, I quite like the skinny jeans, oh. but it has to be a very it has to be a very high waisted one um, with a good kind of sucky in tummy tummy. I, I like a flare. I like a skinny. What I'm less good at are those in the middle. OK, I've got dangerously large calves, so I <laughs> look like, you know, those pictures of Henry VIII standing. Oh, please. Like, scars. That's what I look like in skinny jeans. It's extremely unattractive. Now, Sally, my book has <laughs> just fallen open. I'm just ignoring Fee. She's so hard on herself. Uh, I, my book has fallen open at the bit, How to Have a Relaxing Christmas. Right. <laughs> OK, uh, chance would be a fine thing, Sally. What have you got in your locker here? Um, well... I think people need to stop convincing themselves. They need to do some elaborate Christmas lunch. I think it's weird. It's the one day where you're supposed to feel happy and relaxed. So personally, I only ever do one course. Nobody wants more, more than one course for Christmas lunch. You can save your pudding until early evening. Everybody always feels a bit sick at the end of the main course anyway. I would certainly never do a starter. Um, and also, I won't put up with anybody kind of infighting over food within the family. We decide in advance what we're having and everybody will eat the same thing. Um, so last year I made um, a porcini and wild mushroom lasagna for Christmas lunch. Who says you've got to have oh, turkey or chicken? In my experience, most people demand turkey and then moan about how dry it is the whole time. Yeah, but that's part of the um, tradition. And- You're not meant to enjoy yourself, <laughs> Sally. <laughs> Well, see, I do enjoy myself. I love Christmas and I think cut corners wherever you can. If you need to scoop out a jar and put it in a pretty dish with a sprig of something on it to make it look like you made your own cranberry or whatever, go ahead, get whatever you can made ready mm. um, and take credit for it if you need to. I don't think you win a prize at all for doing too much at Christmas. You just end up frazzled. Yeah, you see, Jane is a slave to Christmas. No, you are, though. You you are a martyr on the mistletoe. And I'm with Sally. I think you just need to put some things in the oven, switch it on in a tinfoil tray, and everyone will be happier. Oh, I don't uh, want to hark back to our earlier conversation, but it's in the genes. Um, right, carry on. Uh, Sally, do you worry ever about giving advice? Has anyone ever come back and said, actually, fairy lights ruined my life? <laughs> uh, no, but to be fair, I kind of stay in my lane. I 
think, you know, my criteria for this book was why me? Why not YouTube? And I felt that if I didn't know something already, it would be cheating to find out and then put it in the book, really. <laughs> um, because I just thought, well, in that case, you might as well just watch a video on YouTube. I have no business really talking about it. So everything in the book is something I either knew from a young age or I didn't know and really learned the hard way and came a cropper. And you can kind of benefit from my calamitous experience. Um, it was always something where I felt I had just cause to talk about it. And I think there are a couple of bits in the book, buying a new car, for example. I love driving. I know nothing about cars. And so years ago, I deferred to a consumer journalist friend of mine, Leslie, who drives cars for a living, who tests cars for a living. And I credit her within the book. If I didn't know something and I had to learn from a friend, I will say in the book that I did. Um, but there's lots of things I just don't go near. I don't know how to change a tyre, so it didn't go in the book. Now, lots of people might want to know how to change a tyre, but don't come knocking on my door, I would say, because I haven't the foggiest. Call the AA. You are very, very honest about being a mother and what it can do to you. Um, and I wonder what you'd just say about the early months of, of parenthood. I mean, it's a while ago now, but um, you, you don't forget, do you? Um, I was a lunatic and somebody um, shouted at me once at an event about postnatal depression and said I shouldn't refer to myself as a lunatic because it's stigmatising but actually I think women should be allowed to describe exactly how they felt at such a weird time because you're re it's really frowned upon to share your experiences of being miserable as a new mother but so many of us are. I certainly was my first child was I think four months old when my father died so I became a parent and lost a parent within six months um, that sent me crackers I was bored I felt bereft of my career I honestly felt as though that was a, a, another death the fact that I wasn't going to work and it took me a long long time to get over it and I made changes the second time around and um, where I understood myself better and knew that I didn't have to try and be mother of the year and end up being consequently a crap one um, I kept working as much as I could. Um, I tried very, very hard not to beat myself up about not getting things right. And I wasn't afraid to say how I felt. And I think that's half the problem. I think motherhood's that thing where you're meant to just be so happy and so thrilled with it, doing this job for which there is no training, no sick leave, no paid leave, no holiday, nothing. You're meant to have this ridiculous job with conditions that don't exist in any other. And you're just meant to love it all the time or you're terribly ungrateful and broken. And I think that's a really, really damaging thing. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right there. I think the more women who say I had a tough time and I sort of wish somebody had told me that I might and then perhaps it wouldn't have been quite as bad as it was. I think I think that's really true. I think the mistake people make is that everybody tells expectant mums that labour will be horrible and that early motherhood will be wonderful. But in fact, for lots of us, labour is fine. And it's nothing to be frightened of, but it's the early motherhood that's difficult. And we just sort of impose this silly narrative on people that, oh, labour will be agony and dangerous and terrible. And then you'll have a lovely time because you'll have your baby. But actually, for lots of us, it's the opposite. Mm. And I dare say for lots of people, both are terrible or both are wonderful. Author and journalist Sally Hughes and her book, Everything is Washable, A Real Guide to Life, is out now. We love hearing from you all, so please to continue to send us emails if you'd like to. Jane and Fee at times.radio. To be honest, it really doesn't have to bear any relevance to the stuff that we're talking about here. We love your life stories and experiences. Uh, if you want to tweet us, it's at Times Radio. And you can also leave a review of this podcast wherever it is that you're listening to us right now. And you can be as honest as you like. Well, not really. <laughs>
No, please don't be that honest. And just to say again, uh, that article is on page two Stop. of the magazine. It's absolutely dreadful. Don't undo uh, the very good work that you did. Oh, sorry. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live, uh, then you can Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.